Hello. How are you, Adam? I, I'm sleepy. How are you? <laughs> I am not sleepy anymore because I am on cup number three oh of gosh. coffee this one. <laughs> okay. Get ready for this afternoon when I crash. Wow. Uh, I would be um, under the table crying by now if I had three cups of coffee. A little, little jittery. Um, well, welcome everybody to the Book Squad podcast. Welcome. It is... The merry, merry month of May. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that. Yep. Weather's been amazing. Yeah, it's been very good. I have actually gone outside. <laughs> Weird for me, but I've done it. <laughs> it's like touch grass, but don't touch grass. I, I actually touched grass That's with amazing. my feet, but still. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that that happened for you. Well, this month, um, this month is a lot of months celebrations, Mm -hmm. but um, today we are going to talk about Jewish Heritage Month or Jewish American Heritage Month. I've seen it both ways. Mm -hmm. I've also maybe seen Jewish History Month. I don't know. Anyways, that's this month, and we're going to talk about some Jewish authors, some Jewish books. Mm -hmm. Um, Jews are called the people of the book. Didn't know if you knew that. Um, That's probably the title of this episode. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, so yeah, this, we can just jump right in. We tried not to pick too many books, but mm-hmm. we picked a couple that we thought would be um, important for folks to take a look at. Yeah. I can jump right in if you yeah, want. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, first up, a world that we knew, total cheat, not set in America. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is a, a World War II book. Um, and so I know that... That's like super well tread <clears throat> area is, um, you know, the Holocaust and World War II. But um, this was a little bit of a different take on it. It's um, Alice Hoffman, so you know she does magical realism. Yeah, and it's set um, during that time. And I be- I'm trying to remember. It's France and some other places. So it's a it's Europe, and then. Um, the premise of the book is that the young girl in the book, um, who is a rabbi's daughter, um, decides to create a golem to mm-hmm. protect uh, to protect the Jews. And so, um, so if you don't know what a golem is, it's like part of Jewish folklore where you uh, sort of a, a monster create usually out of clay mm-hmm. or whatever, and then it is. Um, uh, given an inscription on its forehead, and it is um, usually brought to life by um, incantations, yeah. like rap prayer, um, to bring the golem to life. And then usually, there are you know the the story is that they will protect towns, um, protect villages, because you know during this time there was all yeah. sorts of. <laughs> I mean, I guess not just during this time, during all of the time. During literally all of Wherever history. all the Jews have yeah. been living, they have needed uh, our protection or felt they needed it. So um, it's typical, um, beautiful, beautiful writing. Uh, Alice Hoffman, it's a coming of age tale. Um, but again, it's, you know, magical realism. And I mm-hmm. just thought like, it's, I, I love um, the way that she made this book come to life, just like the golem came to life. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. So, uh, you know, side jog to the golem and the gin. But oh, I really Ginny, want to read yeah. that one. Um, Helen Wecker, so that's also a very good one. So I'm definitely going to do more than three books. <laughs> so don't, 
don't tell Adam I'm going to do more than three books. <laughs> okay. What What do you got? Okay. So uh, one recommendation I have is an author in general. She is one that I've recently become quite obsessed with. Uh, it's Ava Reed. She first just popped into the scene with The Wolf and the Woodsman a couple years ago, mm. which is a fairy tale book set in a world that's based off of Hungarian history. There's a lot of Jewish folklore in there and a lot of just parallels to um, experiences that have happened, um, which I've not actually read that one just yet. Okay. Uh, the one that I first read was Juniper and Thorn, and I read that a couple months ago. And that one is really, really beautiful. It's set in the same exact world. So there's a lot of like Hungarian history thrown in there. There's a lot of Jewish folklore. But something that I love so much about Ava Reed's writing style is that she just seamlessly weaves in elements of folklore and fairy tale and myth, like mythical beasts and and concepts and stories and makes it feel very real and just grounded in reality. Yeah, like it's just it's just it's, it's just what the it world. is. The it world. just mm-hmm. is the world. Yeah. And her writing is is both beautiful and terrible and by terrible I mean she's not shy about talking about mm. bad things that happen to people. Mm-hmm. She uses a lot of her books to explore um like uh, elements of maybe like abuse between characters and mm. and uses it as a way to show characters that are able to come out of terrible situations and be empowered and her books because of that are very 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 hopeful they're very very powerful good. they're very empowering like i said they're beautiful like okay, i good. i read juniper and thorn and was like i was completely blown away um, and just immediately became a favorite author because she just knows how to write compelling characters who are flawed but trying their best and ones you can really, really, really root for. And she writes such interesting and complex female characters and such supportive and kind male characters and so like a lot of times you'll see maybe like a like headstrong woman Mm -hmm. and then you'll have like the guy who's like there to challenge her and so far in the books that I've read of hers because I also read um an upcoming book that's coming out in September the the men exist solely to support and be there for the the female character and I I Mm -hmm. like that (laughs) here for it. Um, but yeah, her characters are great. I love her. I love her stories. I love her take on fairy tales. I think it's just so, so pretty. Um, and I think really exemplifies the best parts of fairy tales while also exercising fairy mm. tales demons. Because mm-hmm. she, I read a, a little piece she did about how a lot of fairy tales are rooted in anti-Semitism. Mm. And so The Wolf and the Woodsman was her way of being of taking that back mm-hmm. and creating a deeply Jewish fairy tale that stands on its own. It's not a, a retelling or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It just is its own kind. So I, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that about her books, how she just takes things that are historically mm-hmm. scary or puts people in a bad light. And she's like, no, I'm reclaiming this mm-hmm. space. I think she does a really, really excellent job at that. Nice. So it sounds like if you like, 
loved Uprooted or oh, Spinning yeah. Silver. This is definitely yeah. In that, she's in that compared vein. to probably Thistlefoot. Like yeah, I would say okay. yeah, um, which is contemporary, but mm-hmm. yeah, she's compared to Catherine Arden and Naomi oh, mm-hmm. um, Novick quite okay. a bit. Awesome. Okay, um, I'll jump in with my second pick, um, which I know I've talked about on here before, but The Intimacy Experiment mm-hmm. by Rosie Dannon. Um, I loved this book and I thought it was a great a great way to see Jewish representation that was absolutely devoid of any World War II talk or, you know, I mean, it's, it's contemporary, it is absolutely about being Jewish and it is absolutely a universal like read Mm -hmm. in that I mean it's a romance so I guess and a spicy romance (laughs) but um you know it's the um, hero is a rabbi and uh, you know he wants to like reinvigorate his uh, synagogue he's trying to get like young people to come in and trying to just like make Judaism more relevant mm-hmm. um, than maybe it had been uh, under the previous administration because, um, you know, maybe there were some outdated ideas or yeah. just, you know. So he, uh, but he has a deep love of being Jewish. It's very important to him. Obviously, he's a rabbi. Um, you know, he, even though he's trying to shake things up and do things differently, there's, you know, I mean, he is a leader of a congregation, so he has to try to make everybody feel welcome mm-hmm. and happy. And, um, you know, even if you want to shake things up, you can't, you know, shake out the people yeah, who, yeah. who were there before and want things to be a little more traditional. So, um, you know, he he brings in our heroine who is a sex worker or, you know, formerly um, I mean, not sex worker, adult uh, entertainer. <laughs> and so I guess, does that fall under sex worker? I'm not even sure. Uh, no. I think it depends on what the nature Right. Um, so she was an adult performer and she uh, decided to um, leave. I mean, she, she decided to leave that and start her own um, um, like sex education website mm-hmm. with her um, co-star and it's um you know just all about helping people like enjoy sex and like n- be more knowledgeable about mm-hmm. their own bodies and about their own pleasure so um you know he's like well she would be great to come in and talk to people and and he wants you know it was going to be about like dating and sexuality for you know young folks and moderns and whatever so yeah. um of course right away there's some attraction and uh, there's, you know, the obvious issue of will my congregation um, support me being in a relationship with somebody who is in the adult entertainment industry and mm-hmm. not embarrassed about it and not, you know, wasn't there necessarily because of trauma. Like, yeah. um, there was, I guess there was a little bit of like um, something happened to her where she was like, I'm just going to, rec- I'm just going to claim this and. I'm going to go forward with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she herself is Jewish and, um, you know, not necessarily at all identifying with her Judaism or, yeah. um, so, you know, there's like, it explores different ways of being Jewish. It explores like some Jewish philosophy, you know, oh, you, cool. you kind of get that, um, just sort of woven in again, kind of seamlessly mm-hmm. where you're just, uh, 
if you're not Jewish and you're reading it, it's like not a barrier. If mm-hmm. you are Jewish and you're reading it, you feel like, oh, I feel seen and I feel like I you get maybe another extra little layer to it than you might mm-hmm. not have gotten otherwise. But it's nice to see that kind of representation where it's, you know, it's just about like just a part of your life. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's who you are and it's not all of who you are. Yeah. But um, it's just a part of your life and how you negotiate that in in America and like being young or yeah. wanting to, you know, wanting to be Jewish but in a particular way, mm-hmm. you know, so – Anyways, I thought it was really good. Again, it's a romance, happily ever after, mm-hmm. and spicy. <laughs> um, my next pick is My Last Innocent Year by Daisy Albert Florin, which was published not too long ago. It's another one of those books that I found while perusing the um, advanced reader's copy mm. shelf that we have by our desks, and I was like, hmm, that's an interesting title. And I looked at the cover and I was like, wow, that's the a pretty cover. <laughs> and then I read what the book was about and I was like, wow, that sounds really impactful and um, important. Um, but it's about a um, young woman who is in college and has a um, bad experience with a young man of the non-consensual variety. Mm-hmm. Um and so it explores her emotions after that incident and really goes into the gray areas of experiencing something and not knowing what to name it and feeling like you are intruding in a space or you don't want to name it a certain thing because then you will forever be labeled with that, right? So there's that small aspect of the book And it's also her coming-of-age story just as a young woman in college and falling for um, a professor. And so it's definitely one of those very, very, very messy coming-of-age stories Mm. that I (laughs) love. So I liked it, of course, quite a bit. Uh, But it's definitely— When you walked past it, was I like, Adam? Uh-huh. It was just I like catnip. <laughs> it's I'm going to be a sad but really important and have a lot of things to say about feminism and identity. Um but this one's really, really good. I think she takes a at this point pretty standard and expected type of book, like young women kind of messing things up and being disasters is almost a subgenre unto itself right now mm. in literary mm-hmm. fiction. Mm-hmm. And she twists expectations in a way that I think are very, very interesting by making it more than about her. It's about other women and their relationships with men and how she's connected to them. And so I think it has more reach and it's less insular and it's more about the nature of these type of relationships and how you can empower yourself um by moving forward but it's it's very impactful it's really really compulsively readable i think if you like the more thoughtful and introverted elements of sally rooney or if you like um Books like Luster, like uh, Otesha Moshfeg, like, again, mm-hmm. disastrous young women yes. <laughs> making terrible decisions mm-hmm. for uh, reasons that are understandable. But sometimes you just kind of want to be like, why are you doing this? Please stop. Go to therapy. 
Um, but it's another one of those books. I absolutely love that type of literary fiction. I think it's um, really important to just show young women messing up mm. and then show how they can just keep living and have a life because that's just, you right. know, that's that's what you do. I, I don't know many people who didn't make a lot of mistakes and uh, date a lot of um, – Maybe not the best people in their early 20s, uh, myself included. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's always nice to see that represented. But, um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, And it also, of course, talks about her identity as a Jewish woman in regards to her community, specifically the community um, on campus. Mm -hmm. And so that's another element which I really love. Like Just like with um, like Luster that I mentioned earlier – that's a disaster book, but it also talks about racism within mm. the context yep. of her disastrous life. So yep. I, I like to see folks within marginalized communities also take up space within the disastrous mm. woman subgenre. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like very, very, very privileged white right. ladies being right. sad. Yeah. Um, it's just there's more nuance and there's um, right. more discussions mm-hmm. happening. Yes. But that one's that's a good one. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's important. Like I think we've talked about this on here before. Like it's you know when you know that we've gotten some measure of like equality when you know everybody's allowed to be a horrible person (laughs) and they're allowed to be horrible just because they're horrible Mm -hmm. and you know but I think even still now the examination of you know when when the horrible messed up person is marginalized like that's always a layered part of the discussion yeah is it is it because you're this? Is it yeah, because exactly. you're that? Um, because it's and, not like you are going through an experience. It's not like you're having a bad time. Mm-hmm. It's not that you yourself maybe are just like kind of crappy. Sometimes yeah. it's you are representative it's just, of yeah. an entire mm-hmm. group of people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will – I'm going to talk about uh, the next one, Eternal Life by Dara Horn, which I have talked about at length here on the podcast and we can – link to that show because I've interviewed her. Very we cool. interviewed her for the the podcast, but this book I really loved um and I thought it was a great one to talk about during Jewish Heritage Month because um the premise of this book is Rachel is um has a big problem and that problem is she's been alive for 2000 years and she is oh, cool. done. So <laughs> um so back uh in Roman occupied Jerusalem 2000 years ago, she and her lover made a a bargain um, with a spiritual bargain to save the life of her son at the time. And that bargain was that they could not, they will not die. They cannot die. And so um, they have, they have not died and it's been, it's 2000 years later and, you know, she's lived in dozens of places Mm -hmm. and had dozens of marriages and hundreds of children and, um, and she's just done with the moving <laughs> and the figuring out how to fake her death and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the trying to spend the appropriate amount of time with her family before moving on and, and not being detected. But um, something is um, something's happening with her current uh, incarnation of her family where they're... There's um, some discussion going on of some genetic engineering and, and like, trying to extend life and, you know, this brings up a lot of questions for her and um, because, you know, what she's realized is it's really important to be able to die. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the role of, of death is 
super important in helping people understand why it's amazing to live. Yeah. And so when you, when that is taken away from you, you start to become kind of aimless. So everything's, you know, sort of coalescing in this, um, this particular iteration, this generation she's in, and she's particularly close to one of her grandchildren. I believe it was her grandchild. And so, you know, she's feeling like she really needs to find a way to yeah. get out of this bargain and die mm-hmm. <laughs> already. But so, um, just, you know, it's it's funny and it's really poignant and, like, there's a lot of, of thinking that goes on. Um, but you also just, you see what life has been like at different times and different places for mm-hmm. Jewish people as well because she's living in all of those times and places. So, yeah. um, you, so the, you know, the Judaism um, also is, you know, a big piece of, like, how her life has been impacted through all of these generations. So, mm-hmm. um Definitely, I would say it's a great read and doesn't doesn't start in America, but it ends up in America. So yeah. um, there you go. Um, that's it's really funny looking at our picks. They kind of mirror one another. <laughs> like our first ones were just like, oh, there's like speculative or like fairy tale mm. elements, and then it's like, ooh, more contemporary stuff. And mine is historical. Um, oh, it's when the angels left the old country by Sasha Lamb. Which is a YA book I have not actually read, but I've heard incredible things about it. It's mm. won a ton of awards. It's one of those books that, like, everyone is like, this is incredible. This is, like, genre changing. It's one of those books. Um, but it uh, follows two characters, um, an angel and a demon who are best friends. Oh, um, shades of good omens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. and um they are in a teeny teeny tiny jewish village in eastern europe and one of the people that they just follow and just kind of watch over disappears and so in their search to find her they end up going from where they're at to um, the United States. Um, Along the way, they meet a lot of Jewish characters who are one of them, one of the other, like, side characters. She's immigrating to the United States, and this takes place at the turn of the century. So we get to see Ellis Island and encounter a lot of people just within these communities and within New York And so it's this historical book, but there's a lot of reach to it Mm -hmm. because it, the main characters are ones who have lived for basically forever Mm -hmm. and they're Mm -hmm. not human. They're just like entities that are taking care of and watching over folks within their communities. And so it's just a very, from what I hear, a very wholesome and Mm -hmm. kind and just overall very hopeful book because it really emphasizes community and identity and uh, talks about queerness in ways that is very supportive and isn't, uh, there's not really any homophobia or anything in the book. It's just the queer character is a queer character. Mm -hmm. That's it. And so it just allows breathing room for all of these characters during a time where we maybe don't necessarily 
see it as mm-hmm. being particularly progressive. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, the author just was just like, nope, this is how I'm going to write this book. <laughs> These are a lot of the ways people have described it actually makes me think a lot of Becky Chambers okay. and what she has done um, with her books of just like having like really uplifting and kind-hearted stories about people exploring their identities but also just being people and mm-hmm. just existing and al- being allowed to exist and just kind of doing their own thing just and just stories yeah um but it sounds really really lovely it very much emphasizes justice and the mm. pursuit of justice and good people being rewarded for being good and bad people oh. getting their comeuppance so it just sounds like a very satisfying I am, read i am gonna put that on my shelf because yeah. i would really like to read yeah. and i'm in the middle of a good omens re or i just finished a good omens rewatch so yeah um be in the mood for that um you know i wasn't gonna stop because i have a couple <laughs> i have just and these are these are ones i have not read yet but in the process of like doing the research for the this recording this podcast, mm-hmm. I found that there was um, a new Dara Horn, which I had not read, that came out at the end of 2021. Um, and it is actually um, like essays. Oh, uh, cool. It's essays by by her, by Dara Horn. And um, she, it's called People Love Dead Jews, <laughs> Reports from a Haunted Present. Um, and so she... Um, Uh, like one of the little blurbs is she proposes a disturbingly fresh reckoning with an ancient hatred refusing all categories of victimhood and sentimentality. Um, She offers a passionate display of the self-renewing vitality of Jewish belief and practice uh, because anti-Semitism is a Christian problem more than a Jewish one. Christian readers need this book. It is urgently important. So, um, and, and some other things, but I just thought, you know, she, I love her writing and I love essays and I, you know, I love Jews. So, <laughs> hey, Jews. Um, I am, I am, I am you, and we are going to read this book together. <laughs> so, um, I thought, so that one, because I was like, ooh, Dare Horn. And then also, I'd seen this before. Um, Michael W. Twitty, he is gay, black, and Jewish. Ooh. Um, so, that's his uh, a journey through African American culinary history in the Old South. The Cooking Gene is the name of the book. Um, so he write he has this book, and I don't know if this was his first one or his second one because he also has um, he also has a book called um, Kosher Soul, I think, and that might be more of a cookbook. But this is like actually a you know he's a culinary historian, and That's cool. um, and I thought that this was really good. He talks a lot about Southern cuisine, food culture, um, and uh, through the time of slavery either now. And I think, um, you know, there's, there are, there are books out there that represent more of the diversity of like who Jewish people are, because, you know, everybody I think is surprised when Jews don't look or, you know, all homogeneous, you know, and, um, there's, you know, there are some good LGBTQIA Jewish stories, Mm -hmm. obviously, um, Jews come in all uh, shades of the rainbow, um, and there are. It's there's almost a, like people and almost, large groups aren't homogenous. It is almost wow. like that. Um, but you know, it, it, I can see being surprised. Yeah. The, the representation. I mean, we all kind of get the representation that we get. You yeah, know, I think and we so. have a very limited. 
right. uh, view of any amount of Jewish culture and media. It's yeah. very, very much kind of like stereotypical a lot of the times or just like we see the same types of characters over right. and over and over again. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend that a huge amount of the Jewish population is non-white, but there are, you know, there's a whole bunch of Ethiopian Jews and mm -hmm. all Sephardic Jews and just, you know, like there's Judaism all over the world and a lot of those people are not white folks and, mm -hmm. and even in the United States. So um, I thought, you know, this might be interesting to people who are, would like an intersection of all kinds of yeah. um, things like that. Um, again, I think we'll link to his other book too. I think it's, called, Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's called kosher soul, but, um, and then I also want to throw out movies, dirty dancing, classic, super Jewish, but not <laughs> everybody like picks up on that. I yeah. think it's kind of weird. Like me, I think sometimes people are like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> setting the cat skills, um, super Jewish. And then, um, the jazz singer from 1980. I just love this movie starring Neil Diamond. We will need to discuss that there is a scene of blackface in the movie. So you know that the history of the jazz singer. Mm -mm. So it's a like it was a, a night. I think it was 1921, and then again in the 50s, maybe, and then remade in the 80s. So, mm -hmm. um, and Al Jolson, I think, might have been in the original. So it is, you know, it's about like a rabbi, a cantor's son, actually, who wants to go off and be a secular singer. Okay, um, is the heart of the story, and it's told like each each jazz singers kind of updated for the times but so um you know he was he was running off to be like a minstrel singer okay <laughs> in the 20s or whatever 50s because that's the kind of popular music that he was interested in yeah and so um problematic in those in those movies but i think there's also like this kind of thread of like feeling like you're part of like you're part of a group that's not the in group and like mm -hmm. then maybe moving to another group that's not the in group mm -hmm. um and so in the 1980 version there's still a small piece of that where his friends convince him to like do a show his friend is black and he wants him to do a show at like a black club mm -hmm. and so in order to do that he gets into blackface to do that because that's what his friends tell him he needs to do to be in this. Yeah. What a weird time it, the 80s. It was. Um, it's just a small portion of the movie, but I'm still like, still uncomfortable. It's yeah. not okay. I mean, the way they did it was kind of like, it was at the urging of his friends who thought you should come play at this club, mm -hmm. but you have to not be a white guy to play at this club. Yeah. And then it's discovered that he is and there's like a riot at the, <laughs> yeah. at the end. Um, so... Yeah, but the but the the big premise of it is you know that tension between a, a traditional community mm -hmm. and like doing the thing that you want to do. And, yeah, and, and if you just love Neil Diamond like I love Neil Diamond, you should watch a jazz singer. Um, it's beautiful. But the last one I have, Keeping the Faith, is actually my favorite. Yeah, exploration of like what religion can be in a person's life because the premise of the movie is there's these three best friends. One turns out to be a rabbi, one turns out to be a priest, and the other one is a high-powered executive woman. And they were best friends until like middle school when she moves away and the guys 
they they stay together in New York and they like support each other through their religious journey and they like mm-hmm. teach each other stuff and it's just like this amazing like funny friendship like a mm-hmm. rabbi and a priest. There's all you know <laughs> walk into a bar kind of jokes, but then. Um, she comes back into their life. And yeah. so um, it's like an exploration of that. And it's kind of one of the best looks at like just how you can, how religion can like be a part of your life, but it's, and even a super important part of your life, but mm-hmm. like you're a whole package person. Um, but I just thought it was really fun. So if you're, and if you're a person who's like, doesn't see themselves represented a lot, like it, it's kind of a fun way to see yourself represented yeah anyways fun movie love it so normally we talk about the things we're currently obsessed with but i'm obsessed with the same things that i was obsessed with obsessed with last time we talked so i was <laughs> just like obsessions yeah do. yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know, my hyperfixations just become a part of me, and then that's just my personality. Um, so instead, this time, we're going to talk uh, about what's currently on our TBR shelf. Um, okay. I'll go ahead and, and start. Um, one is uh, n- not technically on my TBR shelf because I am currently reading it, but I'm only like 20 <laughs> pages in. Uh, well, but it's, it's still to be read. Yeah, it's to be read. It is to be reading. <laughs> it's my to be reading. Um, it's Babel by R.F. Kuang. Um, I talked about in the last episode, uh, Yellow Face mm. by R.F. Kuang, mm-hmm. which is the book that got me back into reading this year. I absolutely loved Yellow Face. Um, and then after that, I read all of the Poppy War series, which was just phenomenal. Um, really, 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 really incredible take on, uh, colonialism, imperialism, what happens when um, countries stick their noses into other countries and mess things up and then leave and the cultural and financial ramifications that happen because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very, very good. It's a really uh, gut-wrenching take on um, war fantasy, but it's very good. Like, R.F. Kuang is a genius. Like, mm-hmm. she's 26 years old and she has published five books. What? Yeah. She started writing the Poppy War series when she was a literal teenager. So don't you feel good about yourself? Super do. (laughs) But super um, do. Babel was one that I think was published last year. Mm -hmm. It's the one that first got me interested in this author, and I just couldn't get a hold of it because it was constantly checked out. So I just bought a copy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is in an alternative. London, where the protagonist is a young man named Robin Swift. He is a Cantonese, and after his entire family unfortunately dies uh, because of illness within his community, he is taken under the wing of a British man who takes him to London, and then Robin starts studying magic. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a book that talks about and explores the nature of of language and power and who is allowed to be in power and what happens when people rebel against their uh, mm. a colonist, a mm. colonialist, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Overlords, essentially. Um, mm. But it's another really smart one. Um, R.F. Kuang really likes to write books that have a uh, a heavy topic and an important theme um, and she explores them beautifully but so far it's absolutely wonderful and then up next 
I'm really excited to keep reading the Locked Tomb series. Uh, after years and years and years of waffling, I finally read Gideon the Ninth. I finished that the other day and absolutely loved it. Um, just, you know, space lesbians with swords. Gotta love them. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Super fun, uh, super creepy and funny mm-hmm. also and um, unique. It's worth the hype. Uh, yeah. A ton of people talk about getting the ninth and I absolutely loved it. So I, I yeah. can definitely see why people like it so much, but I'm looking forward to reading the next one in the series, which is Hero the Ninth, which I think um, she, at least in the first book, is uh, very much portrayed to be kind of a an awful person. <laughs> and you know how I feel about awful female characters. About, I'm really excited. It's about to be the best <laughs> read gonna be of the your best year. book. It's going to be the one, <laughs> the, the best in the series probably. Uh, okay, so I actually just started reading this yesterday. Um, I don't my TBR pile, like... Literally, I should just take a picture of it and send it to you because it is, <laughs> I, I am a, like, I live in fear of hitting something on my bedstand and like having everything topple in the middle of the night. <laughs> but um, I will tell you, I started reading this one yesterday. Allow me to retort a black guy's guide to the constitution by, and I should have looked up his, I don't know if it's Ellie Mistal or um, Eli Mistal, if there's an E-L-I-E at the end. Um, it is... So good. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, mm-hmm. He's a legal um, commentator for MSNBC. Uh, he has a, I don't know, he went to Harvard Law and was a, like, did some, what was his other thing that he did? I can't remember. Um, he's a, a justice correspondent for The Nation. Uh, he was the legal editor for More Perfect, the More Perfect podcast um, that came from. It's about the Supreme Court that Radiolab did. Um, he, what else was he? Oh, and he was the former executive um, editor of Above the Law and worked at a law firm for a while. So um, he, but his whole thing is you don't have to be a lawyer to understand the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And he is just like, doesn't even pretend like he's not just. Like I'm, we are going to rest this. First of all, this document is hot garbage. <laughs> Let me tell you um, about it. But also, it's like hot garbage, and also it's like got some. Uh, it could be amazing if we ever used it the way that it was. Yeah, you know, if we ever did things to it that needed to be done to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening line is: "Our Constitution is not good." Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it is a document designed to create a society of enduring white male dominance, hastily edited in the margins to allow for what basic political rights white men could be convinced to share. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that's, he just gets, uh, he just gets right to it. And um, it's, there's a lot of spicy language and just uh, very funny, but he really walks you through it. And the idea of this book too is like, um, he wants you to leave with a, a strong understanding of what the Constitution is, yeah. um, what it's not, and like what it was meant to do, what it was not meant to do, and how people are wielding it um, as a, a weapon and always have. And so um, he's, you know, he wants to give people ways to refute a lot of the common arguments that are coming from mm-hmm. a very particular group of people in the United States. 
um, and and take those arguments to social media and take those arguments to your Thanksgiving dinner and take yeah. those arguments everywhere because like, you know, he's like, people just don't understand it. And then someone says, well, you know, I'm a strict constitutionalist and if you don't feel like you understand the constitution well enough, then you just kind of say, uh, okay. Yeah. And he's saying, that's not good enough. Like, yeah. These people don't know what they're talking about, and um, or they do know exactly what they're talking about, and it is bad. Yeah, um, and we just let them do it. So it, that one, and it, and it just looks to be like hilarious, already. hilarious, and it's awfulness. And then um, the next book that I tried like seven times to read, and I just keep having to bring it back, but I've started it again, and I'm actually reading it. Never say you can't survive by Charlie mm-hmm. Jane Anders. Did you ever finish it? Did yeah. You read? Okay. Um, so I'm just reading that again because I am very interested in like kickstarting my writing again. And then just a bunch of like witchy stuff. Great. Um, tons of witchy and tarot stuff sitting on my, and you know, and romances, of course, always. Yeah. So that's what's on my TBR pile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I guess my obsession now is like trying to not, not have that pile there anymore because mm. I've actually read some of them. <laughs> my current obsession is fantasy novels that hurt my feelings. <laughs> I want my feelings to be hurt. Um, Make me cry, authors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, well, that sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> I think we've wandered back into familiar territory. But um, yeah, so that's what we're reading. We'll get together some links to all of our yep. little extra things as we always do in the show notes. Until then. Happy reading. Happy reading. That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe and please rate or comment. You'll help others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Kinn and Adam Lopez. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Joel Bonner, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.